Hi, and welcome to a new edition of the OPC Foundation podcast, the home of industrial interoperability. My name is Peter Seberg, and I'm your host. Today, we'll be talking to Stefan Sörenis, leading advisor, plant IT architecture and integration with Equinor, about his experience introducing OPC UA into a global energy company. Stefan will tell us about Equinor and their OPC UA use case. He will share his experience implementing and scaling OPC UA, any bumps he has run into, benefits of using OPC UA as an open standard architecture, open sourcing OPC UA as well as a roadmap going forward with regards to using OPC UA in Equinor. Hi, Stefan. Thanks for joining. How are you? Thanks, uh, Peter. Hello. I am doing uh, very good, actually, uh, despite of all these uh, COVID-19 lockdowns that, uh, that come and go these days. But um, the summer is uh, approaching and uh, hopefully we get uh, nice weather and can be more uh, social with, uh, with friends and family. And in these days, I'm, uh, I'm uh, counting down the days uh, where I will spend some time with my one-year-old daughter in, uh, in a paternity leave. So I'm looking forward to that. That sounds great. We're so lucky to have caught you quasi in the final days before you go into maternity leave. And yes, uh, not everywhere around the world. Uh, we are being listened to around the world. But yes, uh, especially in Europe, we are still hopefully at the final parts of the COVID-19. So Stefan, please, and not to mix yourself up with uh, our so to say, Stefan, president of the OPC Foundation. That was not easy, or I mixed both of you up, at least in writing, every now and then as we were sharing emails. Please introduce yourself to our listeners. Where are you from? What's your role at Equinor? Mm -hmm. And I believe I do now pronounce it correctly. What have you been doing in the past and what has been your involvement with OPC UA and the OPC Foundation to date? Uh, yes, so uh, you pronounced uh, the, the company name uh, correctly. It's, uh, we are called uh, Equinor. So, um, but in the past, our name was uh, Statoil. So uh, we are a, a soon 50-year-old uh, company, actually, a Norwegian uh, company, originally an oil and gas company. But in these days, we are transforming into becoming a, a broader energy company. So uh, oil and gas is not the only thing we, we do anymore. We are also uh, moving into offshore wind and are operating several uh, wind power plants. Uh, and we are also expanding into a carbon capture and storage, uh, hydrogen value chains, uh, solar, etc. And uh, we are not only doing business in, in Norway anymore, we are also doing business in, in over 30 countries, actually. Today, we have around 21,000 employees. So uh, I have been in the company now for uh, 10 years. And as you mentioned, my, my current role is, uh, is to be a leading advisor on industrial IT. So I spend most of my time in the in the sweet spot between uh, operations technology and, and information technology, so OT and IT uh, integration. 
where the kind of the, the plant floor meets the, the IT world. Um, I have been working on that type of interface uh, directly and, and, and indirectly uh, these 10 years uh, through various uh, roles and, uh, and projects. And, uh, and this is where OPC uh, comes into the, the picture. And uh, OPC is something that we have been using for for decades, uh, actually, and, and now we are uh, scaling uh, more and more into uh, OPC uh, UA. Thanks for mentioning, Stefan, that uh, in the past you were called Statoil. That made me remember that actually I myself have been working with you, with your company, in my former uh, position. And okay, yes, I understand that you as a company want to transform into a more general uh, energy company. So Equinor, a global broad energy company uh, working, as you mentioned, uh, with industrial IT and OT, IT architecture and integration. So where does OPC UA come into the picture and why OPC UA? We see that uh, OPC UA is, is very uh, applicable uh, almost uh, all over the place, uh, ranging from, uh, from sensor uh, to the cloud. But, uh, but from my perspective and, and my role, OPC UA is, uh, is a key enabler and a key framework to, to really connect and, and better integrate data coming from the industrial automation and control system. And, and utilize this within the, the enterprise systems, uh, business processes, and, and various applications and analytics uh, happening in, in the IT uh, platform. And uh, when I tell people about this, I, I, I normally use an analogy with related to, um, to the headlights that we have in all uh, cars. Uh, so our cars have have two uh, headlights with uh, with uh, two modes that is helping us to to kind of light the the road in in front of us when it's dark outside, and and this uh, this these modes are uh, low beam and high beam. So so the low beam uh, mode provides enough lighting, so to speak, so that we can see what's right in front of us. Um, and so do the high beam uh, mode. But with the high beam mode, you can see even further ahead on the road. You can be kind of more forward looking. And, and this is a good explanation on the OT and IT architecture, because in the, the industrial automation and control system, that is really about the low beam mode, the real time uh, domain. Uh, they need to uh, control and, and operate the facility in, uh, in a safe and, and efficient manner. They need to take important and critical decisions uh, here and now. Uh, but they can't sit and, and spend time on training and machine learning models, uh, predicting what will happen in like four months uh, ahead. The, the control room operators cannot have that focus. But uh, subject matter experts in um, in the back office, in the onshore operations centers, etc., they can help the facilities uh, with this. Uh, they can help the facilities with the high beam mode to use the data from the facility and really uh, really help the operations with to become more uh, forward looking by using the data. So, so OPC UA, from my perspective, is a, is a framework that basically connects this uh, low beam and, and high beam uh, world in a better way. 
that, that ensures that the engineers and subject matter experts in the, in the back office, the onshore operations center, they, they not only get access to, to data, but they also get access to the, to the context, the, the, the description of the data so that, uh, so that people can, can uh, not only read data, but they can also understand the data, use the data and act upon the data. And, and this is, from my perspective, where OPC UA really comes into uh, the picture. Thanks for clarifying and completely uh, agree. It's being talked about time and time again these days, not only when people talk about, you know, the need for data, digitalization, artificial intelligence, etc. in industry where we have this very nice, perfect solution, OPC UA as an architecture, uh, but also many other areas. And thank you for sharing with us your uh, analogy, low beam, high beam, for describing the, the OTIT architecture. You've been using OPC UA for some years now in uh, some major oil and gas uh, fields and activities. Where and when did this journey start? Uh, yes, so, so, so as, I, as I mentioned, uh, when it comes to, to OPC, we, ha we have been uh, a member of the OPC Foundation for 11 years now, actually, and we have been following OPC UA for, for over uh, 10 years, and we have, as I mentioned, we have used the classic OPC for decades, I would say. But uh, prior to uh, around 2014 and 2015, our approach to OPC UA was, uh, was more that we preferred OPC UA. So in our company requirements, we said that we prefer uh, suppliers to deliver uh, data on OPC UA. But we also said it's completely fine to deliver data on, on something else. But uh, in a um, project, and a new oil and gas uh, project uh, back then that started in, in around 2013, 2014, this project was called Johan Sverdrup, uh, one of the largest oil and gas field developments in, in Norway, actually, that started production in, uh, in uh, 2019. In, in this project uh, back in 2014, we we decided that, okay, now it's time to really get serious with, with OPC UA and start to really understand OPC UA, understand the potential uh, that is there uh, and start to see what can we do to actually use it. So, so, so in this project, we went from saying that OPC UA is preferred to, to saying that OPC UA is what we shall use, period. Um, so, so this was uh, this was a quite uh, is, is a quite big uh, project and, and, and a big uh, uh, operating facility uh, today. It, it's a field consisting of a drilling uh, platform, a riser platform, and uh, one process platform. And we are building yet another process platform actually, and, and a living quarter. And the whole field is actually uh, getting the power uh, from a station uh, onshore. And uh, at, at the peak production, this field alone will, will actually produce uh, 30% of Norway's uh, total production. So, so this is the project where kind of, I, I would say, the, the OPC UA journey in Equinor really took off. 
So, so in this project, we asked and, and required all the suppliers delivering different software on the plant to deliver the, the real-time data uh, on OPC UA. Uh, and we also uh, here uh, really utilize the, the information modeling features and capabilities in, in OPC UA to model and describe uh, the facilities, the equipment, uh, and the operational uh, data so that the, the IT world, the, the high beam world, they, they, they not only get access to, to raw data, they, they get access to, to data and a context that they can understand and, and use. So, so today we, uh, we make uh, around 200,000 uh, OPC UA data variables uh, available to the IT platform uh, near, near real time. So, so, so this, this was the project that uh, really kind of uh, kicked off the, the OPC UA journey in, in, in Equinor, I would say. That's amazing number. And I, I think I kind of had a had an idea of what it is that you have been doing there but so 200,000 variables and you talk about the information modeling capability of OPC UA you talk about having all the facilities the process so maybe just two examples or uh, let me ask it the other way so can I for me and I know nothing about oil drilling and oil platform so is it so that with the help of these 200,000 variables in a structured way, in an information model, OPC UA, you kind of make a, a digital twin of your platform such that I, at whatever level in the tree, so to say, of OPC UA I am, I can then get an understanding of what exactly that variable and what the meaning of that variable is? Yes, so, so it's it's basically a, a model of the facility. So you can you can start on the top node in the OPC UA address space, and you can drill down to the single piece of of equipment and expand that equipment and easily uh, subscribe to to live data, operational data uh, originating from the plant floor. This is something you can do now in the in the IT world by, by using OPC uh, UA. So, so we are not only providing kind of raw sensor data without any context. We have put the sensor data in a context that the operational people understand and can use by, by utilizing the, the capabilities around modeling in, in OPC UA. Perfect example. Great for sharing this with the listeners who may be, um, you know, acting and busy in completely different worlds, but just this idea of taking you know, your machinery, your equipment, your oil platform or your future energy platform and making like a, a digital model, a digital twin out of it with the help of OPC UA and, and delivering the meaning, the understanding of these variables together with it. What can other companies learn from you along as what I just said when it comes to implementing and scaling up the usage of OPC UA? So what, what I think that other companies can, can learn from us is that, uh, first of all, the, the decision to, to really utilize uh, OPC UA in, in this project was actually not a big um, 
company-wide top-down strategy. And this this was uh, driven bottom-up, I would say, by personal engagement, uh, champions, uh, advanced learners. And my experience is that you you often need such uh, champions to kind of uh, lead the way uh, before it comes uh, operational throughout the the entire company. So 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 that is that is uh, that is my experience that you need such champions that can also drive this uh, this uh, bottom up. Uh, in my opinion, one of the first learnings uh, we did when we started uh, this was uh, was really about getting help actually. Because uh, back in 2014, 2015, the, the fact was that we, we didn't knew anything about OPC UA. It was very uh, new to us. So we quickly saw that, okay, we need to get help and we, and we need to educate ourselves. We need to invest in, in learning this. So, so what we did then was to, to get help and, and we partnered up with, with some of the, I would say, most uh, knowledgeable and experienced uh, people and companies in, in Norway on, on OPC UA. So, so we worked together with them and we actually spent one year studying and diving deep, deep, deep into OPC UA to, to understand it. And, and then we saw, uh, okay, wow. This, uh, this, this concept and especially the information modeling concept can actually solve uh, some significant challenges we have when it comes to uh, lack of, of context, lack of interoperability in between, between systems, uh, etc. So, so, so learning number one is to educate. Uh, we, we have to educate ourselves in order to, to make the right decisions when it comes to, when it comes to OPC UA. And, um, the, the other learning is that we cannot do this alone. So, so, so back in 2014, and this was, uh, yes, it was new to Equinor, but it was also new to all the suppliers. And, and we are 100% dependent on the suppliers, the, the market to, to, to understand this as well and, and deliver a good products that we can, uh, that we can uh, utilize. So that is a main learning that one company cannot do this alone. Uh, we need to, we need to work on this uh, together. We need to help each other. We need to, to collaborate. Uh, so, 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 so I think that's important that uh, one company cannot do this alone. Um, uh, also, uh, another learning that I see now uh, in these days is that in, you, you have heard the phrase, right? That when it comes to digitalization, you, you, you often hear this, that you shall think big, uh, but you shall start small and scale fast. But, but in this Yuan Svato project, uh, we, we were actually uh, thinking big, but we also started big and scaled fast. We started big in terms of we actually started the OPC UA implementation on one of the biggest oil and gas fields in Norway through all times. So, so, so we made actually a bet on, on OPC UA on, on the biggest oil and gas, uh, one of the biggest oil and gas developments in, in Norway. And this was a flagship uh, project, uh, not only in the Norwegian industry, but the entire global oil and gas industry. And, and we made a bet on OPC UA and it worked. And, and then we proved that OPC UA works in such a major project. And today it's it's operational. We we are using OPC UA here and now uh, when we operate uh, this field. And when you do that in such a big project, you also remove any doubt in Equinor and in the industry 
on whether OPCUA will work or not. We, we have proven that it, that it works. And, and when you succeed with OPCUA in such a, a flagship uh, lighthouse project, that quickly becomes the blueprint uh, for the next projects. And this inspires people. So what started out with, say, one to three champions and, and, and advanced learners uh, leading the way, then, then quickly become like uh, 30 champions and advanced learners leading the way. So, so, so that is an interesting learning, I think, that, uh, that uh, when, you, when you succeed on such a flagship project, that, uh, that is becoming the blueprint and it, and it inspires uh, many more people to also start using uh, OPC UA. That sounds great. And yeah, I mean, as we said before, the size of your project will not be the typical size for any other initiative, I guess. And great to hear that uh, that you, you took, so to say, that risk that you put a lot of time into and that, that you did in the end succeed in, uh, in showing that OPC UA is doing for you what it is supposed to do. And I guess that for many listeners, uh, for who, as I say, the size of any of your projects will typically not be uh, of a similar size as the one Stefan is today talking uh, about. I assume that you may take away the idea that, you know, Stefan has removed the doubt at his company. So you, you, can, you can say in general, I guess, that, you know, if we now ha have all seen how OPC UA as an architecture works for such a huge product, it will in normal cases work also in smaller projects, right? So nevertheless, uh, from your experience, you know, did you meet any bumps in the road? I mean, what uh, at least surprised you the most? Yeah, it, it was, uh, we, we met uh, bumps uh, on, on the road. It, it will always be some, some bumps on, uh, on the road. And when, when we started to talk about OPC wave uh, back then, uh, what, I, what I heard a lot uh, from, from, from people around us, uh, because OPC wave was not new at that time. I think the first version of OPC wave specification was released in 2006 or something like that. Um, what, what I heard people say is that, ah, OPC UA, but, but we have heard about that for many years, but we have not seen anything yet. So, so, so I felt actually it was a kind of a chicken egg uh, situation. And when we, when we talked to, to companies out there, uh, I, I felt that the situation was that Equinor as an end user, uh, we kind of waited on the market and, and all the suppliers and companies to come up with OPC UA products on their own. But but when we talked to, to some companies, they were waiting on, on a push and, and a requirements from us as an operator and end user. So we, we kind of waited on each other. And that, is, uh, that, that was a little bit a surprise and, and, a, and a good learning that, that, uh, that I take with me, with me further, that um, sometimes we as an operator and end user needs to kind of set the direction and, and, and take lead and, and say, okay, now, now we do this. And then uh, things uh, start to, to happen. And another challenge I would say is um, 
when you do projects like this, the whole uh, the whole project development and the construction of the facility is an investment cost. And when you when you put the facility into operation, it becomes an operational uh, cost. But uh, when uh, when you're going to do something new, such as uh, using OPC uh, UA, and when this is something that not not all the companies uh, support at, at that time, that means that uh, companies have to to develop OPC UA. So so we and and other companies need to do some investment, and that means that the investment cost is uh, is increasing. So, so if you only look at the investment cost perspective, that means higher cost, which is not good. But the, the, the perspective we need to have is the total cost of ownership, because we we do this on OPCUA because we believe that in the long term uh, the cost will be reduced due to uh, more flexibility, more interoperability, standardization, uh, etc. So, so, so the balance between investment cost versus operational cost and the total cost of ownership that, that have been uh, a challenge uh, I think uh, I think that we need to, to learn from and uh, the third challenge I would say is that OPC UA is is very very um, flexible uh, it's powerful and it's also uh, to some degree uh, comprehensive you have many features and options that you can uh, utilize. And uh, we experienced that when you say to, to people and, and companies that, hey, uh, you shall deliver data on OPC UA, that's a very generic requirement. You, you can deliver data on OPC UA in many, many, many different ways using, using different functionality, but also on the, on the modeling side. So, so each company can can basically structure the the address space and the model in in many different ways, and still kind of deliver on on the requirement that yes, they have used OPC UA. So, so, so we experience that when you just say OPC UA, you 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 get many different things, many different models. So, so we have learned that we as an industry together needs to kind of agree on which models. And which OPC UA features do we need for which use cases and needs? Because it's not realistic that every company and every OPC UA server shall support every part and every feature in OPC UA. That is not realistic. So, so we need to agree which features do we need for which use cases. So that was a, that, that, that was a surprise, that, that, or, or not a surprise maybe, but, but at least a, a very good learning that, okay, we need to be kind of uh, yeah more uh, specific when we say OPC UA. Right, OPC UA is very flexible, very powerful. Um, so you suggested that also in your industry you would need to agree on on features and use cases in the end on specific uh, models. Is that I mean that has been happening in many. Uh, sections in the industry, you know, uh, let's say robotics as an example, or many type of machine equipment manufacturers. So has that kind of industry talk happened or is the industry maybe taking your uh, model that you developed as a kind of de facto industry standard? No, it's uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to uh, uh, standardization of, of information models in, in OPC UA, 
uh, I think that many things have happened the last years when it comes to when it comes to development and, and all the initiatives that that are happening around uh, the world now. Uh, we are we are following closely what the DDMA is doing. We are following closely what Namur is doing in their Namur Open Architecture. Uh, we are a member of Namur. We are a member of the Open Process Automation Forum that is also heavily using Open Suez. So, so yes, many things are happening, and it's a, it's a huge untapped potential. But but I also know that uh, it takes some time. Uh, to go from agreeing on a model and a specification until we see it uh, in, in the products we buy. That, that takes some time. But, but hopefully more and more products now will come with these uh, uh, models uh, standardized out of the box. That, that is what we hope and believe will happen. Very good. And uh, I'm with you. I'm sure it's going to be happen. And, you know, with your huge initiative, uh, others will more likely, you know, join your effort. Equinor, as an end user, an operator, what would you say are the benefits of using OPC UA based on your experience? Yeah, when it comes to benefits, I, I use an example that, that we have seen in this, uh, this Yuan Svadro project and what we have done there. And in this project, we, uh, when it comes to the model that we uh, developed, uh, we, we actually... We actually created the OPC UA model, the types, in, in a software tool uh, from vendor A. And then we, then we instantiated the model, so creating the instances in a tool from vendor B. And, and, and then we browsed the model and read the data and subscribed to live data from OPC UA clients from vendor C, D, E, etc. And so, so, so we used different products from different vendors to create this, but everything was plug and play. No, no hassle and no integration and no manual translation, converting, etc. Plug and play. And that, that is a good example, I think, of, of the future that we that we are seeking. This 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 plug and play flexibility, that is one of the biggest benefits that, that we see that we, we get this flexibility in the overall architecture easier to plug and play products easier to to replace we also get more competition because with with open interfaces standardized interfaces we cannot com compete on vendor lock-in we, we need to compete on business value and that is a benefit for for everybody in the industry i think and another benefit that i start to see today but that i also expect to see in the future is actually lower costs uh, in the industry because because uh, oil and gas is is not it's not so special and many of the machines and the equipments we have on an oil and gas platform is also machines and equipment other industries are using like pumps like uh, heat exchangers valves control systems turbines, compressors, etc. This is also equipment that is also used other places. And a good thing about that is that OPC UA is kind of industry independent by design. It is not locked to oil and gas or locked to manufacturing or something like that. So, so that means that the same supplier can deliver the same OPC UA server, the same type of model across industries. And I believe that will kind of lower the, the cost in the, in the long term. Uh, and of course, the the, the 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 main driver, I would say, for, and the main benefit for us doing this is, is of course, interoperability. 
that that is the key word here to, to get a, to get an architecture and a flow where similar type of data is described and defined and represented in a standardized uh, manner independent of the of the system and the system uh, supplier so, so so that means that we can kind of get more plug and play and spend less time spend less human engineers in doing manual translations, mappings, transformations of the data, uh, etc. Et so interoperability, that is also, yeah, I would say the main benefit and the, and the main driver for, for, uh, for us as an, as an end user. Thank you. Yes, you're hearing you confirm that everything was plug and play. I just think of the other Stefan, the Stefan Hoppe, president of the OPC Foundation, who will always refer to OPC UA as the USB connector. Um, and I believe that possibly a couple of years ago, as I mentioned in the beginning, when I was working with your company at that time, still called Stadoil, I was probably with vendor B, but that is not important. The important thing is that, as you say, it worked amongst vendor A, B, C, D, E, etc., so you mentioned the benefits of an open standard, uh, open architecture. I saw your presentation on the ARC industry forum this year, and there you mentioned that you have open source OPC UA information model library. Can you elaborate more on what that is and uh, why you opened it up for the world? Yes, so, so uh, what, what we open sourced uh, here is, is this uh, information model, this, this library that we built in, the, in this Yuan Svadrup project. Uh, so so this, uh, this library is actually an extension of the, the, the S95 uh, companion specification in OPC UA. And this is basically a an, an library of oil and gas, uh, of, of equipment that you find on a typical oil and gas uh, facility with the operational data modeled uh, in, into this library. And um, this library is actually based on 10 years of experience on making uh, data available to our operations group, to plant integrity, uh, etc. So, so we, we have, the, the last 10 years, we have built an experience on what type of data these uh, people and teams uh, need. And we have modeled this experience into this OPC UA uh, library. Uh, and the library today, I think it consists of around 50 different uh, object types or types of equipment and almost yeah, around 1,000 attributes. Uh, so, so this is something that we have made openly uh, available for the entire world, uh, actually. And in Equinor, uh, open and uh, collaborative is actually two out of the four values we have in the company, open, collaboration. And I and, and we truly believe that uh, being open, so, so having openness is, is the key to achieve uh, adoption uh, in the industry and, and to make real impact. Uh, we, we need open standards, uh, open uh, ecosystems, uh, open source code, uh, and we need, uh, we need to make it easy and, and simple for, for people and companies to, to get started, lower the investment risk, lower the investment cost, make it as simple as uh, as possible, and OPC UA is 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 open, uh, and that is that is a key I think to ensure adoption and drive adoption. 
if if OPCUA was a very closed uh, standard, then I uh, and we would be very skeptical to, to OPCUA. So 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 the fact that OPCUA is is open, that is a key benefit and, and a key enabler for uh, adoption. And, and in Equinor, uh, we are committed and have a very firm uh, open source uh, strategy. Uh, so, so in Equinor IP, actually, we have a requirement that when you develop uh, software in, in Equinor, uh, the, the requirement is that that software shall be open sourced. We shall make it open uh, and you shall argue uh, why you don't want to, to make that code uh, open. So if, if people want to, to look at our strategy and, and our um, uh, repositories, you can you can go to opensource.equinu.com to, to look at our commitment and strategy and uh, and look up the Equinu organization on github.com. So why did we open source this um, this OPCUA information model? And and for me, OPCUA is not only a connectivity framework. I, I look at OPCUA as a community. OPC Foundation and OPC UA as a community consists of people and companies that that share, in my opinion, the same beliefs, the same passion for standardization, uh, plug and play, interoperability, exchange of information in a in a seamless uh, manner. That that is the kind of the passion that that people share in uh, by using OPC UA. So, so we as an end user, so we we get benefits uh, benefits from from this community. So, so then we would like to kind of share something back, and I believe that is a win win for for everybody. So, so um, that that is the that is the reason why we why we did that. Sounds great. I I would have thought maybe also open sourcing could be a potential way to you know making your model a de facto independent of the fact i mean you talked about uh, kpax and opex sure you must have put a i would say in this case because it's such a big project a lot of uh, energy and also money into it so i mean if if the the other players in the industry would be using the same or similar model that would be good for the industry in combination with a second question on what you just said i was at company i believe company b you just mentioned many years ago when we um, as an organization as opc foundation actually put the opc ua source open source and that was uh, that was not necessarily initiative that was um, you know taken Uh, taken in by many colleagues at that time with open arms. How was that introducing? Maybe you just gave the answer, as you say, your company is open and open source. But so was it? Was there for that reason your colleagues were, you know, opening or expecting this idea with with open arms? So there was no pushback against open sourcing such important pieces. No, it it was no it it was no pushback. So so all the uh, all the stakeholders in, internally and externally they they celebrated this and, and everybody agreed that hey let let's uh, let's do this and um, uh, I totally agree in in what you mentioned and in this repository we we openly write that this this mo this model is is not perfect but but by by open sourcing it other people and companies can actually contribute on improving it uh, so, so that we don't do, do everything. And that is, that is also a, 
a reason that okay let, let's make this uh, better uh, together instead of kind of one company do, doing everything so so that is also a key benefit of open source that uh, hey hey let's let's work together and, and take the best from several companies okay so you've been very happy so far put a lot of energy uh, into it but with great results what does that mean how is your roadmap going forward with regards to using uh, OPC UA at Equinor? What we are focusing uh, a lot on these days is um, standardized OPC UA information models. So all these companion specifications that companies and people are working on now out in the industries, there is a huge untapped potential there. So, so broader usage and scale-up of such models, that is an important part of the, of the way forward. And uh, we are also uh, focusing a lot on uh, making sure that we, we get a closer integration between the, uh, the plant floor and the applications and, and services in the cloud when it comes to OPC UA modules. Because we, uh, if you have an OPC UA server at the plant floor, it's quite easy to stream the, the real-time time series data, the telemetry data to the cloud. But uh, in many cases, you also leave the the model, the context behind. So, so, so when we stream this uh, this live time series data, we also need to find a way to make the uh, the information model, the context, also available to the cloud, and not only the the simple uh, time series uh, data. So, so that is also something we are working on. And we also see that OPC UA is, is not uh, kind of not, not the answer on everything. There are also other exchange formats uh, existing for, for different uh, use cases. And I think there is a huge potential in, in closing the loop between engineering and operations by combining automation market language, so automation ML and, and OPC UA together. So, so that is also an area that we are uh, looking into. And we are also following um, the, the Industry 4 platform in Germany quite closely and have a, have a dialogue with, with many uh, people and, and companies there. So this, uh, this asset administration shell uh, that, uh, that have been matured in, in Germany uh, is also something we are uh, looking more and more into. We see a huge potential and, and many benefits in that concept. And that concept is also kind of based on OPC UA, Automation ML, REST APIs to make the semantics available uh, through different mechanisms. So, so that is also something we we are looking more and more into uh, right now and, and going forward. Yes, we have talked about, for example, Automation ML in this podcast, and I'm sure we will be hearing more about it in the near future. As you say, bringing engineering and operation through OPC UA closer together as well. So it's really more extending the capabilities of OPC UA in, into other areas. Stefan, maybe one or more final key takeaways and final message to our listeners? Uh, yes. So, so to, to, um, to summarize uh, uh, our experience and, and our uh, learning, I would say that one of the most important things is to really have or find or spark a passion for interoperability, standardization, plug and play, uh, collaboration uh, across companies, but also across uh, industries. And, and that is that is simply what OPC UA is about. And if you have that passion, and if you truly believe in that, then, then you will find a lot of joy in, in OPC UA. 
Uh, and the second takeaway, a big learning, is to invest in learning. So, so let the champions and advanced learners in the company lead the way. Uh, ask for help. Reach out to other companies and, and people to, to, to get learning, share experiences. And, and I also encourage everybody listening to also share your story and your experiences, both the good experiences and but also the bad experiences on using OPCUA because if we share that, then we can improve and do it even better and, and work together on this. And the last thing that I see is that we need to have a stamina. So uh, because full adoption, a full semantic interoperability all over the place using uh, standardized OPCUA models, etc., that will take time. It's not a quick win. So we need we need the stamina. We need to we need to approach this with a long term uh, perspective and, and a long term mindset, but also at the same time uh, do things uh, step by step. We can do things here and now that is proving the value. So the combination of uh, approaching this uh, both the long term and, and short term that is that is important. Uh, the, the, the opportunity space here is is quite huge. So personally, I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing uh, utilizing and, and getting business value out of uh, out of OPC today. Stefan, thanks a lot for sharing your experience introducing OPC UA into Aquinor as a global energy company. And if there's one or two things that we, that I and our listeners could today experience, it was exactly that, your passion uh, and your joy. Thank you very much for that. If you, dear listener, want to hear more uh, OPC UA use cases, hear about OPC UA specifications or other pieces of the OPC UA technology or about the OPC Foundation, you may want to listen to the preceding OPC Foundation podcast editions or visit the website at opcfoundation.org. If you have a proposal for topics or are interested in appearing on the OPC Foundation podcast, Maybe you want to join one of the OPC UA companion specification working groups, or maybe you want to become a member of the OPC Foundation, or otherwise, please mail the OPC Foundation at office at opcfoundation.org. We'll put both the website URLs and the mail addresses in the podcast notes. It was great to have you with us today. If you liked what you heard, give us a thumbs up, spread the news. Looking forward to have you with us again. Uh, and Stefan, thank you very much for having been my guest today. And we all uh, wish you a wonderful, great maternity leave. Thank you.